0: Podcast is more special than the Patriots.
2: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast, presented by the United States Marine Corps. It's the Christmas special. My name is Dan Hansis coming to you from a virtual room filled with heroes in pretty sweaters. Greg Rosenthal, Mark Sessler. Colleen Wolf, what is up, gang?
3: I like Mark's situation, how he has lights that are flickering around him. That is something else.
4: Well, you know, I just, when I think of the Marines and, you know, what they're doing and what they're out there protecting, they're probably looking at this and saying, um, the mission is clear. We feel good about what we're doing for the states and for these individuals on the screen right now.
2: Absolutely.
4: They're paying that money. Hey, you know, we're for people listening on the podcast.
5: We've all got these like ugly team sweaters on. You can get, speak you know, for yourself. don't, Mark's got pajamas, but yeah, Colleen came with just like a nice looking sweater. So that's be <laughs> <the NFL.
2: laughs> why is the carpet all wet, Todd? <laughs> I don't <laughs> know, Margo. Margo. Greg, you did it again. <laughs> we've talked about this. You, you tend to speak uh, for the group when you say things like. Uh, everyone's wearing ugly sweaters. I tend to think that my, they're literally branded ugly sweaters.
5: So people know what I'm talking about. You go to the ugly sweater section on at NFL. That's where yours was purchased from.
2: That's I don't believe it. Yours is extremely I think it's a beautiful, ugly. gorgeous sweater. Yes. It's the Christmas <laughs> special. And we have a, a great episode filled with fun to get to a special guests and holiday themed segments. And did I mention special guests? Because we have special guests. It's going to be quite a show. Uh, But we do have some business to start with, Connie Fox. It is uh, the end of the week 15 slate. So let's start today's show by digging in on Monday Night Football.
6: Second and two. Finley will keep it right up the middle.
2: Ryan Finley. Having himself a good old time. 23-yard rushing touchdown. All right, here's the road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. And, yes, the Pittsburgh Steelers, again, fall short in really an ugly way. 27-17, the final. Bengals over Steelers. The third straight loss for Pittsburgh after an 11-0 start to the season. And Colleen, I don't know about you, but this feels like something more than a bump in the road for Pittsburgh. It feels like something closer to an existential crisis, and they don't have a lot of time to get this thing figured out.
3: Well, because it's three straight weeks now that they've lost, but this latest one, you know, they kind of reminded me of myself on Mondays, like foggy, a little sluggish, (laughs) low energy, like... They probably looked in the mirror and didn't recognize themselves, much like I do. I mean, I don't even know what we watched. And I would love to say that I didn't see that coming, but this is, like, so on brand for the Steelers, even even at this level. I mean, it's they've really taken it up a notch for the holiday season. But for Ryan Finley and Giovanni Bernard to lead this team to a win over the Steelers, who could have wrapped up the division, I mean, what a shock.
5: Mm. It was shocking, and yet, like, the way this Steelers offense is going, no one would have saw how it happened on Monday night. But the the flashback I had was to the 2019 Steelers, how we always kept saying, like, man, this defense, they they must be tired. They must be so sick of carrying Mason Rudolph on their back. If they just had an average offense, they'd be great. And then here we are in a big-time game Monday night football, and the Steelers offense had 2 yards in their first 5 possessions. They had 40 yards in 8 possessions in the entire in the first <laughs> half. That's an entire game's worth. I mean, that was a cry for help. Two first downs, three turnovers. Like the defense did everything that they needed to do. I don't need to hear anything about the Steelers defense after this game, but they have to be Uh, demoralized looking at the other side of the ball and thinking like these guys aren't going to figure it out because there's no sign that they're going to figure it out right now.
4: I I can't think of too many Steelers teams characteristically that fade like this. Um, I went back and looked and there were one or two seasons under Tomlin where they started hot and finished um, not great because they just weren't great teams. This team was 11 and oh, and there were reports coming out that they feel mentally exhausted um, it's just an unu- it's been an unusual year for everyone, but the Steelers, like I would trust them just as a longtime watcher of the AFC North and the old AFC Central to bounce back from one or two of these losses. But last night's the game that I almost thought, you know, I'll just game pass this in the morning. Cause it's going to be, you know, the 35 to 10 bounce back game for big Ben in this offense and the run game and everything else. And um, I'm watching big Ben fall apart before my eyes and like there's these reports he wants to come back and play next year and that's all possible i mean i'm not worried about next year but he does not look to me like a functional um leader of this offense right now i mean they're hard to watch and the deep pass has been eliminated i mean the bengals knew coming in what to do with them defensively that's got to be a huge concern with the stacked afc lineup heading into the postseason
2: everybody knows what to do With the Steelers now, and it's it's on that offense to adjust. But now there is this very real question to ask whether they have the guy behind center that can adjust. Whether their game plan was specific to what age thirty eight Ben Roethlisberger is, or age thirty nine, whatever he is. And it just there was it was strange watching it because there seemed to be almost like a helplessness. To the offense. It reminded me actually of some of these Carson Wentz games uh, before he got benched by the Eagles where they would keep on coming back on the field and then they would go three and out and then they come off the field, they get the ball back and you're like, okay, maybe things get figured out, Colleen, but it never happened. So now they're in a Wentzian place, but there's no Jalen Hurts to put in the lineup.
3: Nobody wants to be in that place. It's not a great place to be in. I mean, when those situations, you just like expect a 3 and out every time they go out on offense. And I'm wondering too because I feel like all I've been hearing about today and last night was Juju Smith-Schuster doing his TikTok dances. I mean, are you guys uh triggered about this because I feel like that's the least of their problems right now, right?
4: Well, I I would say I feel Look like I'm not allowed stand. to be triggered. <laughs> I was I was told Plenty of people no no are it's like anti I know but there's definitely like this other subset of people on Twitter that like don't shame him for being who he is and it's like I don't really care that much about it but um TikTok as a as a format like can we come up with some different dances it's like the same it's like 800 schoolgirls <laughs> that's doing the, the criticism dance. do I need I like Juju Smith Schuster doing it I don't know
2: can we calm I down mean, a little bit too do it, with the idea it the of it's some great disrespect to be dancing on a logo you like. You play the game all game on these logos, stomping on them, falling on them, sweating on them, bleeding on them. And now it's like sacred uh, ground because it's the pregame warmups. Calm down. It's like, yeah, and and it's a lot of old
5: players is like, you know, worry about like the like playing like more than the brand and like as if the time that they're spending going on TikTok is is more than like the time all of these guys are using to like get women. Like no one is (laughs) no one's criticizing that. He's spending five (laughs) minutes on TikTok. TikTok, give me a break. How about you criticize (laughs) Ben Roethlisberger for like just being ah, totally scrambled—it's crazy. You know what? The, you know what I was thinking watching last night is they miss Mike Munchak so much. They miss Todd Haley too, by the way, their old coordinator. Because it's not just Roethlisberger—I mean, it, it's partly him—but they have they have no answers schematically of where to find the easy plays. And they thought maybe they would throw down the field last night. He was one for fourteen throwing over ten yards. So it's it's mm. everything. The run blocking is so bad for that team.
3: Yeah, and, ben- and then they have the Colts and the Browns coming up.
2: Yeah, I mean, look at the reason why Mark has electricity all around him right now is because the dude is plugged in. Sessler, I know it's a different year and we talk about, oh, what does it mean to actually win the division? Oh, you know, Sessler wants it. He could taste it. The AFC North, after years of misery, you can go in and beat the Steelers uh, to claim that division and put on the baseball caps and, and do all that fun stuff. I know you're excited about it, Mark. It's all in play now.
4: Well, I'm excited if they deserve it, if they earn it. And I and there's a chance they could by beating Pittsburgh. I mean, there are also scenarios out there um, that are madcap enough where Cleveland could lose that game, finish 11-5, and five, and not be a playoff team. So, you know, in terms of, like, waltzing around my house, you know, and kissing babies and stuff, I'm not there yet. Let's see how this unfolds. I'm always expecting something um, dark and disastrous to occur to the Browns, but they're starting to make a believer out of me that – um they are not, you know. We're not spending all week wondering about Browns players doing TikTok dances. That seems like something the Browns would normally get pulled into. But um, and, let Pittsburgh deal with that business. And let's give it.
2: let's give Cincinnati a little credit here because nobody thought they were going to compete in this game. And just like the Jets did against the Rams on Sunday, these those guys were fired up. Those guys they couldn't get enough of this idea that they were messing up the Steelers season. And it had been in such a dark place, obviously, this Cincinnati season ever since Joe Burrow blew out his knee. So to have this game at home with some fans in the stands and a lot of those fans were Steelers fans, Uh, and send them out of the building with a scowl on their face. That is a nice little gift under the Christmas tree. I wish Chris Wessling was with us right now because he knows exactly what it's all Mm. about. Cincinnati has been tortured by Pittsburgh for years, just like the Browns, and now you get a chance to really stick it to them where, where it hurts when they weren't expecting it. Nice job by the Bengals and Ryan Finley.
5: Yeah, lost 10 straight. Finley felt, like, low on the list of reasons they won, but he did get a couple big (laughs) rushing plays. And I think if Bengals fans really want to be positive, they do have some good young players. Like, Hubbard and Lawson dominated that game against the Steelers' tackles. I like those two pass rushers. Uh, Higgins and Boyd, who got hurt, Tyler Boyd got hurt early in the game, are kind of a reminder, like, receivers only matter so much. Because I feel like if Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins had, like, a great quarterback— Like, they could be Pro Bowl-type players this year. That's how good they've been. Uh, So they got some young players. Nice. That's their Super Bowl. Didn't even mess up their draft pick. Like, they're in a weird
4: spot where they're just, like, stuck at three. It's perfect. There you go. I was waiting to see Zach Taylor register a few um, notable wins. They've beaten the Titans, and they've now beaten the Steelers. I think it's an argument to keep the staff and have them all come back when you have Burrow. I mean, beating the Steelers in your own division when they've whipped up on you for you know, mm. a near decade, it matters. With a third-string quarterback? Lot. I, I think that... What's that?
3: With a third-string quarterback, too, nonetheless? It's amazing. Like- yeah, it might be know, too he's got late. A big
4: smile on his face, Ryan Finley. Very nice. Mike
5: Brown's not paying Zach Taylor's contract for a couple years when when he's not in the building. The Bengals owner is the last person to fire a coach early. There's, I, I don't think Zach Taylor is in any trouble at all.
2: Yeah, the, your prediction market, Zach Taylor is coach of the year. That won't happen. But I think this is this <laughs> more or less locks up that he's returning, and uh, so good for him. Good for the Bengals. And uh, that was Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. I didn't mean to to throw you under the bus there, Mark, not give you a chance to respond. But uh, Mm. let's move on again. It is the Around the NFL podcast Christmas special. And what kind of Christmas special would it be if we didn't talk about Santa, the big man who's on his way, and that list, he uses a list, you know? He checks it twice, blah, 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 blah. You know the whole backstory. We thought it would be uh, nice at this time of year to share our naughty or nice list uh, NFL style as we look ahead to the final two weeks of the regular season and the playoffs. Uh, So let's go through it. Let's start. Let's start positive. Let's go through some. uh, Let's say something nice. Colleen, get us going today.
3: Okay. so definitely on the nice list. Xavier Howard, the Dolphins cornerback. What a season he's been having! He, this this Miami defense has been incredible all season long, but he is no doubt the star of it. Leads the league in interceptions. He had like a five-game streak where he had at least one takeaway or one interception. Last week, he almost had the touchdown, but then it was called back. But this is a guy who's been in Miami on the Dolphins for five years, and Miami. imagine all. Oh, Miami, that's exactly right. Imagine all of the stress and agony and disappointment and just like the depressing nature of that team before Brian Flores came in. And now the fact that not only have the Dolphins turned things around, but he is just having an insanely good career year. Um I actually talked to him this morning, and I was what? asking him just like, yeah, hmm That's coming up on Saturday. You guys should watch it on NFL Network. Uh, you know, Raiders, uh and Dolphins. It's gonna be a We big get game. it. You're successful,
2: but Colleen. Keep going. Oh, you're
5: you so you're you're hosting insane. that coverage, right? I am. All day I am Greg is all over that over coverage. This. this is like
4: this is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you Get should. If you're Rosemont. hosting it, I want to
5: see you on the promos. That's all.
4: You'll you know. see her because <laughs> the station is on in your house, literally 24 seven. So you will, you will right. find a way to make that happen. Greg has those
2: glasses where there's actually a little TV screen inside the glasses, so you can just wear them all the time and leave the house, and he's plugged into NFL <laughs> Network programming at all times. A little starstruck I, with I Colleen you, here.
3: Greg. Uh, well, listen, I, 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 I so. <laughs> My question for Xavier Howard, though, is he's had so much success and he's having all these picks and games. Why... I know that Dez already throws up the X, but his name is Xavian, which everybody mm. just like figured out three weeks ago. Has he ever like considered an X situation? And he wants to stay away from it because of Dez. But I feel like he should just he should wade into those waters. And, and you're saying he should be throwing up the X after all
2: these impact plays? Interesting.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good exactly. Suggestion. I so get that. That's where I stand. He's on the nice list, though. For all right.
2: Yes, and he, yeah, like you said, he very nearly had a long fumble return for a touchdown on a Cam Newton fumble. So close, but uh, still, impact plays every week. Mark, how about you? Uh, you got something nice?
4: I do have something nice, and I've you know, i kind of zipped my lips about the Browns this whole season and kind of just wait and see how this journey ends, but how about uh, Paul D. Podesta? I will never forget the morning in our newsroom when the Browns hired Paul DiPodesta away from Major League Baseball. And what was the audible um, response in our newsroom? Giggles, laughs. Oh, look at the Browns hiring a baseball man to come in and fix their team. Someone that was, you know, if you're Paul if you're, Paul Podesta, you're thinking, I, I introduced Sabermetrics. I went to Harvard. Um, I, I am the source of Moneyball, um, and an incredible book. Um, I'm in, in the film. I'm played by Jonah Hill. These two people don't look anything like. I understand that it was a composite of De Podesta, but um, that's got to be a chip on the shoulder. He comes to Cleveland. That was a he's great totally performance by Hill. Out though. of the
2: gate, is this all about just the physical thing? Uh, great No, portrayal. no, no.
4: I'm going to now talk about why he's on the nice list. Okay. All right. He's on the nice list because two years running, he pushed for the organization to hire Kevin Stefanski. Um, They went in their own way, which they've done too many times, and hired Freddie Kitchens. He gets his way the second time, and bang, the Browns have someone that if he were a coach of another team, I'd be jealous. He also hired Andrew Berry, at GM, age 33, the youngest by far in the league. The two of them get together. uh, They work well together. There isn't some sort of infighting, ego-led battle that completely sinks the organization and creates a gigantic pit underneath Cleveland's uh, you know, franchise, organizational building. None of that's happening. I like the pair. Paul DePodesta is the reason this is happening. would never have happened otherwise. That's how you build a team. And I think it's pretty cool that someone can do it in two sports. And he's basically gone unspoken about all season. So mm. he's on my nice list, and I think he should be on a few other nice lists too.
2: Very well said. Little, very well Little said. De
4: DePodesta pop. He, he, he
5: deserves it. You're right.
2: All right, Greg, how about you? Very all
4: compliant, right. everyone. I'm putting. You've uh, said it all. Oh, what are
5: we gonna do? We're we gonna <laughs> knock this bean counter and really get on your bad side. We know you're not. All right, carry on. <laughs> you're not kissing babies. You said this morning. I'm wondering where where are these babies. Bean in your counter. House? Where, what are you hiding? So, you
3: know, it's a pandemic. <laughs> you
5: shouldn't
3: be kissing babies anyway.
5: Uh, I'm I'm gonna um, say put a guy on my nice list that wasn't always on my nice list. Um, is goes by the name of Alex Guerrero. Used to think uh, maybe this guy's a little bit of a charlatan, a snake oil salesman. Mm. Tom Brady's chain trainer. You know they did they did take that government money uh, during the pandemic for TB12. Not in love with that really. But when you look at the results um, that Tom Brady is doing right now. I mean, I'm watching Ben Roethlisberger. He can't throw the ball. I'm watching Drew Brees. He can't throw the ball. Tom Brady's not only the greatest 43-year-old quarterback in NFL history by leaps and bounds. In terms of, like, arm strength and top-end throws... He's literally better right now than when they were winning Super Bowls in 2004, 2005. I don't even think it's a question. Patriots fans will agree with me. I'm not saying he's a better player. He's obviously not necessarily. But in just terms of top-end arm strength and, like, wow throws, he has made more this season – with the Bucks than he was making back in 0-3 with the Patriots. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's maybe Brady deserves all the credit. Maybe it's T B twelve, but it's working. It's not about his body. That's not why he's struggling when he's having bad games. It's pretty amazing. Give Alex Guerrero some pop.
2: That's interesting. Maybe there's
3: I, something to the no nightshades. You know, like maybe we should all try not eating nightshades and, well, and see I've if that, that helps our performance. i I got that it.
4: Tom Brady cookbook if you'd like to borrow it, Greg. Um, right? Not a lot of items. I'm just in there saying, that I would think would be. It's your, working, your, your right? Cup of tea. We got to admit, it's working. Did you ever get yep. that
2: expense Mark? The the cookbook.
4: No, <laughs> and that's that's a, that's um, annoying to <laughs> me. I think it was
2: two hundred dollars. That thing that sure. that goes what? toward like a college fund. Anyway, yeah, uh, I could, yes, I
4: could have found other things to do with two hundred dollars. <laughs> I can promise you that.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm with you. You know Brady's arm strength and physically, he looks exactly the same. I'm with you. You watch him week to week. He still misses his fair. A fair share sure. of throws and open receivers uh, there. I think there is some still age re- related decline going on there uh, with, with him as a, a quarterback. But, yeah, to, especially we watched Ben Roethlisberger try to throw those wounded ducks through the Cincinnati night last night. Uh, mm. And it it is striking that he is, what, four or five years younger than Tom Brady, who still looks like a Greek god. So, all right. Should we get should we get in cahoots with Al Scarrero? I mean, none of us are getting younger either. Maybe it's time. I don't know. Something to think about. Um, I think you're right. Yeah, not you, Colleen. You, you're forever. I'm yet, down. The rest of us, bros. All right, uh, my, my, ni- my my nice list is obvious. Uh, Carter Minshew. What? <laughs> what a man. Uh, what a player. What an underdog. Uh, who doesn't? Who doesn't root for the underdog? Ever since he swaggered into Duval County with that mustache and. A big dream to take over the league. The world fell in love with him. And, you know, I resisted it at first, you know, but now I get it. Sometimes nice guys finish first. And that's why I'll be rooting for him the rest of this season. Uh, the NFL could use more Gardner Mean Shoes. And so could the world.
5: <laughs>
2: what a turn from you.
4: Well, it's wow. a a an artificial turn, but that's, you know, no. I get I get the position you're in. You're in a tough, tough position, Dan. What, you're in a real tough position.
2: No, I just, I, I understand. It's taken me a little time, yes. but he's just so fun to watch. And, you know, the flopping hair and the headband and, you know, the way that the people of Duval have really embraced him. I, I think it's time for me to do the same. Great, great guy. Gardner Minshew, what a talent. I, I mean,
4: I, nobody that has listened to this show more than, for more than three episodes, is buying a word of this? What? Um, only you know toddlers in the backseat of a car listening to this would buy this. This is this, is, you, um, this is next level um, next level stuff from you, Dan.
2: How, how could you root against that man? All right, let's let's move. Wait, wait to, Dan, I yeah. do
5: have one uh, fly might be in your ointment. What? I noticed Doug Barone on Monday would not declare a starting quarterback for this week, <laughs> <laughs> which got me thinking: Are they going to go looting? Are they going to, like, drag uh, oh, no. Quinn Gray or Cleo Lemon or David Garrard off the street and start? They can't
2: do that. That,
5: is, that would be some nefarious stuff.
2: That he, would be nefarious. He was and a little
5: also, vague about it.
2: He was it's a just funny. Vague about it. Like I said on Sunday. Now that Dan's
3: I, on board, they have to start him, though. They, like, lo- they have to go with Minshew.
2: I loved – I loved – The Gardner Minshew's stat line, the 22-28 of for 270, two touchdowns, 120 passer rating in a 40-14 loss. You can't put him on the bench with production like that. That's what Gardner Minshew does. All right. Uh, Naughty. Connie, give us something naughty.
3: All right. This, I feel like, is a no-brainer, but Doug Peterson is going straight Mm. on the naughty list. I just, after watching Jalen Hurts these last two weeks, What took so long? Like, I understand the situation with Carson Wentz is very dicey and you're in a tough spot, Doug Peterson, but – This whole, maybe not, obviously not. This whole entire season has been a giant garbage can. And then finally, there's like some life. And even in that loss to the Cardinals, it was so much fun to watch the Eagles again. It was the most exciting loss. Jalen Hurts gives the team exactly what they need. I mean, he had three passing touchdowns. He was running well, had the rushing touchdown as well. He was sacked six times, but listen, like he was fine. He was able to bounce back. And this is behind an offensive line that has been so hurt all season long there's been a zillion combinations and it just feels like this team plays way harder for Jalen Hurts and they just like are interesting mm. to watch like i'm not banging my head against the wall it's like taking out the garbage like yeah it's not before every time i turned on the eagles it felt like <laughs> such a chore and now it's actually like something that i want to do which is cool
2: sometimes i feel Bowling like to your sometimes i feel like it's been a bit of a La reveal magnifico Around the Eagles fans in the last couple of years like you have one of the great Super Bowl runs of all time and then a couple of years pass and it's almost like the way you people talk it's like that never happened and you get to act like you're this long tortured fan base that like how did we put up with Carson Wentz for that long and Doug Peterson what a mess Oh, woe is us. Let's get on the radio and talk about how hard you, you it is to beat the Eagles
3: compared fans. You just compared Ben Roethlisberger to Carson Wentz and the Eagles offense about talking about how terrible the Steelers I, were last night. So, yes, that's been an entire season of that.
2: I get it. I that's, just like it like, better to your when you're an eternal loser like uh, my team.
4: To your point, Colleen, like you, you definitely want a coaching staff that figures things out and comes to the same conclusion that fans came to six weeks prior. Um, The the, the self-scouting doesn't seem to be the high point um, of Doug Peterson's and his staff. Uh, So I'm with you. I understand the frustration. Uh, Dan, I don't know about the La Reveal Magnifico side of it. That feels... What what does that say
5: about Patriots fans who are grumbling about I'm with you, Dan. I I feel like they've done enough for me. I'm not allowed to complain about the Patriots for the rest of my life. But they're complaining this year like the last 20 years uh, didn't happen. By the way, all could be forgiven, Colleen, if they win these two games, the Eagles, and get into the playoffs. I don't think it's quite as far-fetched as
2: people
1: believe. Ooh,
2: Interesting. All right, Greg, get get naughty because I know you like to.
5: I do. And uh, where where else to get naughty – you know, than a strip club. I feel like someone's got to talk about Dwayne Haskins mm. here. Look, it's a yes. beautiful, pl- you know, in a normal it's world. The dancer in the room after a loss. That's where you want to go with your girlfriend. I don't know if this was a birthday party. He he was with his girlfriend and like a bunch of her friends at the strip club. And uh, okay, you know, but we're not in a normal world. We're in a pandemic, and you're you're in charge of uh, an organization, a franchise right now where you are the only healthy quarterback. Kyle Allen's out for the year. Alex Smith has a calf injury, everything he's battled through, and you're putting your whole team at risk uh, by going out to the strip club on a Sunday night after not playing too well either. So, mm. man, that just put every everyone in his uh, organization in, in peril, not only because he could catch Rona, uh, but that he isn't going to be available for this next game where they can possibly you know, clinch the division. We're uncertain how the Washington team is going to handle this. They've at least fined him um but uh either way you, I know he's a young man, but you gotta you gotta have your your you know what in order a little better than this
3: <sighs> it's real bad
2: real bad i mean
5: listen it's a tough one I get the argument too like there's levels of ways to mess up this is a franchise um Uh, that has had many things this season that are way worse than what Dwayne Haskins do. Some that came out today, some lawsuits against the organization. I get it. There's different levels. But it doesn't mean you're not letting down all of your teammates in your franchise uh, by doing it. It's
2: a knucklehead move, and it's a guy that you've heard whispers about, you know, and the reason why it seemed Ron Rivera was loath to even play a former first-round pick. And then something like this happens, and it's like, oh, this isn't so hard to connect the dots. Like, is this dude really in it to win it? And the type of guy you want. And Mark, I and and all guys in general have friends um that they just can't get enough of the club. That that exotic dancing. Right. Um and no, I don't
4: I, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't put us in that category. Yeah, I don't I mean I can
2: I I don't probably, say that I'm like um some type of saint, but it's never been my thing. But I have friends, just like everyone has friends, that cannot get enough of it. It's an addiction. And COVID nineteen what it's done? How, I don't even know how this club is open wherever he went. Right? Uh, is it an underground strip club? Tell me more. I'm interested intellectually. Hmm. I just well, th- I, 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 this know.
4: would be my counterpoint to Greg. Uh, Greg, I mean, you know, we're in tough times, and I'm sure that club, um, probably operating on, in an in, in underground fashion to some degree. Think of how those workers, uh, you know, working very hard at the club, or have probably been struggling financially, not getting their normal allotment of greenbacks. Um, how nice of the of the cities. Uh, you know, first string quarterback to waltz in and and help these workers out, Greg.
2: That's a first That's pick. a fair point. I it's mean, you man. could wow. definitely
5: put it on the government in Virginia for allowing the uh, strip clubs to be open, because uh, I don't think it was underground. Um, but it's it's problematic, uh, problematic all around. I mean, just imagine that conversation he had to have Haskins with Ron Rivera, who's battling cancer out here and putting uh. and he's putting this whole team. Oh man,
4: so, so Ron Rivera does not seem like thing a thing to club do. Man, so. So like in a yeah, yeah. Day which strip is like people club. do.
5: We see young people doing crazy, immature things all the time right now. He is hard. He's hardly alone. Uh It's just like you're letting down your teammates. That's the problem. You're on a team. Greg,
2: take me through this. In oh, a modern yeah. day strip club right now, are, are the dancers wearing masks? I, I don't know. I think so. I, the it. only
5: reason why I think it was it's not closed, first of all, like, the South is pretty much open right now, and Virginia's the South. And they, like, listed the place. It looked, it sounded like they were trying to get some, some pubs. So I don't think mm. uh, the place was open illegally. All do right. some more homework uh, on
4: this, please, Greg.
2: Mark, get naughty. <laughs>
4: uh, well, I want to circle back to, you know, when this um, when the pandemic started in our country, and we do we do um, follow the rules. And so we were allowed to, uh, each of us, pick what would have been like sort of our all-star um, quarantine group. And I had to go look at the list, but mine included – Um, Alec Baldwin, um, Michael Irvin, uh, close friend of yours, Colleen, Um, Gianni from Love is Blind. That feels like that show was relevant 44 years ago at this point. I forgot But um, don't forget. Yeah, don't forget that Gail Godot was um, also in the room. And I had to, you know, I didn't like to do it, but I had to report that her behavior back at that time in in late March, early April was, um, was poor. And she, you know, as a group, we had to, you know, teach her about discipline and things and just maybe, you know, mind Didn't your you man lock her, her in a closet more. or something?
2: He he tied her to the yeah, radiator, she, yes. I believe. There's a chaining we to We tied the her
4: to um yeah. a part of the room that wouldn't move yeah. and I just want to report back that uh, you know you would think that she would have found her way back onto the nice list um learning some lessons. It's not the case.
2: No, it's unfortunate. It's not the wow. case.
4: She's she, her behavior's not improved. Uh, one iota. Um, so she remains uh, firmly attached to the mm. naughty list. No further comments. Why? I mean, uh, I did.
5: You know, she's not movie getting is out of that basement. A, a stinker. It's supposed to be supposed to be bad. Bad. Well, that's
2: she to didn't want to wear Christmas lights? lights.
4: No, it's not that's that. It's was. not that frivolous. It's her basic um, inability to follow directions.
2: The best part of that um, video, beyond the terrible singing and the self self-absorbness of the uh, celebrities involved. Uh, it showed up in a countdown uh, list that I saw recently of Worst Songs of the Year. It was number one, the Imagine cover. <laughs> and she opens it, Gail, before she throws it to uh, the celebs with, okay, it's day six of quarantine. This is really tough. It's like, it's day
4: six. Oh, no. <laughs> day six. <laughs> yeah. oh. Lacks perspective. We're like day 700 now. That's more
2: sad for us. but <laughs> um, All right finally i got one more naughty a fantasy football fans let, let's let, let let's get our sh- stuff together okay let's pull it together because you guys got to chill you got to chill and josh jacobs shot a warning flare out a couple weeks ago um when he did that thing on the gram where he he posted that he wasn't playing even though he was active and then he he put up the middle finger emoji well that's an undercurrent right now i've been tracking this It's part of a growing trend in the NFL. Players are fed up with you, fantasy people, on social media, you know, trolling on them uh, when they're hurt or otherwise struggling and not helping your fake team. Raheem Mostert's the latest guy. He just went to IR, by the way. For the millionth time, players don't care about your fantasy team, he tweeted. This is our real life. And Mostert, that's a good point. And. I I did something a couple weeks ago. I remember when Christian McCaffrey was coming back from the shoulder, and it was just in time for the fantasy playoffs, and then he, he tweaked the quad, and the report came out midweek, and absolutely devastating to McCaffrey fantasy owners who thought, okay, we survived this far without our number one pick, but we're going to get back this all-purpose stud, and he's going to win me the league, and it didn't work out that way. It looks like he's going to miss Uh, the entirety of the fantasy playoffs and maybe the rest of the real season. I just went and searched out Christian McCaffrey on Twitter and checked out the mentions, the vitriol, the absolute Mm. heinous garbage being sent his way, uh, ill wishes, uh, you know, things about how I hope you never play again. I hope you never heal up. Mm -hmm. You're a bum. You don't try hard enough. Are you people kidding me? You idiots! Are you seriously thinking that these guys deserve that type of treatment when they are in a frustrating position as professionals of being injured or going through a struggle? Um, anyway, pull it together, fantasy football. I'm, I've played fantasy football since I was 14 years old. I've been frustrated with players, but never once did it ever occur to me to get on Twitter and at the player and tell him something negative or wish him ill will. Clowns, clean it up. You're naughty. Call for you.
3: It always seems so said. weird when when the attacks turn personal too, like about fantasy and then all of a sudden people are attacking like their family and their girlfriend and like it's just it gets so <laughs> right, personal happens, yeah. for everyone involved, which is just so super weird to me.
5: Mm. It Probably. it is a downside I think of money being on things. It's something the NFL not to get too serious, but has to think about when you know, awkwardly embracing gambling, which you know is happening right now. The you know, owners own DFS teams. Everything is getting a little looser, but that's like a negative we've seen in a lot of other sports. Where in countries where gambling's legal, is like the fans get out of control, and you're going to lose all these players on social media. Like there's going to not going to be any inter- interact. I mean,
4: Greg, do you feel at all um, at all complicit? Um... For being someone that I think carried fantasy football from an innocent <laughs> well, that was me. Um, yeah. game that children enjoyed yes. th- I to, ask to an the question. industry, Good you, question, created, you yeah. made an industry out of it, and it's all information and money and betting based, and that's um, creating so much of this vitriol. And it really mm. sources back to your early career in uh, in football. Do you think well, it was it that was whatever. pretty much me? Like it was pretty
5: much me and me and Matthew Barry that really got it going. Fantasy <laughs> Greg Ball, they used to call it. Uh, well, I don't play fantasy anymore, so maybe that tells you your answer.
4: Well, that's okay. you're washing. You're, you can't just wash your hands of it that simply.
2: Yeah, it he's already George done Bush the damage. Not
4: track what's happening in Iraq anymore. We'll see. I'm sure that doesn't work out either. So. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> that was the
3: guilt. That's why Greg
5: walked away from the game.
2: All right, we're just getting started in our holiday celebration. The wait, I've got one more nice
5: one for you. Oh, I'm you do taking one in. It's one final nice. We're gonna give a nice uh, little nice to uh, to Rhoda. That's right. It's Keisha's mom who gave us the best Christmas miracle ever. She had a flight out of town on Monday, and uh, she changed it. She saw what was going on at the house. She realized oh. it'd be a beautiful, a beautiful holidays, Christmas and New Year's, if Rhoda stayed in and helped LaKeisha and Wes out. And since you know they're our family, Rhoda is too, and we, uh, we appreciate her extending that trip last-minute Christmas
2: miracle. For two
5: more weeks, she'll be in town. It's great news.
4: Excellent. Nice work. I love
5: Rhoda. Rhoda.
2: What a woman Rhoda is. And yes, whenever mom's around, that makes the holidays that much better. Uh, Yes, she's a queen. And before we say goodbye and get ready to celebrate the holidays, we welcome in the great Ricky Hollywood, Erica Tamposi, wearing with pride, and I respect her for it, her Patriots sweater, missing the playoffs for the third time in 20 years, which basically covers most of your (laughs) lifespan. Erica, uh, thank you for joining us on today's show.
7: Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. It's it's such an honor. Just real quick before we go, I wanted to tell you guys who's on my naughty list this year and it's the four of you. Oh because this show is a family friendly football show And you are talking about strip clubs. Um, Mark can't say Gal Godot's name correctly, calling her Gale. I mean, there, there's just been a total. Gambling. Just you guys are just Iraq. off the rails. Got into yeah. Iraq, there's been Iraq. Man. George W. Bush mentions like this show's supposed to be family friendly, and you guys definitely are getting coal in your stockings this year. No. Erica, don't how's the improv truth.
3: going? It's
7: going well. It's virtual.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Look at that. A little uh, inside dig there from Connie, and you can tell it riled up Ricky Hollywood.
0: And now, point counterpoint. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? The final answer.
2: (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yes. It may seem cliche, uh, this next segment, but you know what? It was time To finally get to the bottom of this question, the one that's been asked on social media for years, Die Hard, the film released in 1988, tagline, yes, there were 12 terrorists, one cop, the odds are against John McClane, that's just the way he likes it, and it was a huge hit, launched Bruce Willis as a a movie star, Uh, but it has always been a question now. This action film, the, the one that served as the template of every action movie that followed for decades, is a Christmas film. And now I welcome in uh, Patrick Claybon in the Christmas special here, because first of all, it's great to see Patrick in his Christmas sweater and, and, and a, a good friend of the show. Welcome, Patrick. How you doing, buddy? Happy holidays.
6: Happy holidays. Thank you for having me as a part of this pivotal discussion that some people feel like it has gone on too long. Look, we talk about the value of running backs every mm. single day um like it's it, always value running backs ah, back and forth it goes uh, that never ends we do this for like 12 days a year it's fine it's fun we get to talk about a good movie as you said you know
2: and, and hey, it's, it's cool and it's as fun. matt money as matt money smith said this is the final answer greg i know you were a huge fan of this film mark you saw it as a boy i don't know about you connie uh, but to finally get to the bottom of this, so it doesn't need to be discussed incessantly every December going forward, that's not a bad thing either. It's a beautiful thing. I'm I, excited
3: <laughs> to get this finally off of my chest. So I
5: I was uh, in Model Congress, so I feel like I'm I can be a you know a judge here. You know, okay. as a kid, I was into debating. You know,
2: it's good to hear it's because it's what shocking as it, as it so happens, <laughs> Patrick and I are on opposite sides of the coin. So we're going to do it Mark like old ATN debate club style. Sure. Uh, with point, counterpoint Whoa. and um, we'll start the we'll start the floor here 60 seconds each. That's all. That's all we get. Claybon and I. Claybon will take the position that Die Hard is a Christmas movie and then I will take the dissenting view. Patrick, get it going. Ricky, make sure to clock us. All
6: right, tell me tell me when to go, Ricky. <clears throat> you are on the clock. All right, what is a perfectly canonical Christmas story? Is it Mary and Joseph and J-Man and the manger? Is it St. Nicholas? If you're counting reindeer, do you start with Rudolph? Like, how important is it to you to recognize things that are connected to this holiday? I ask that because clearly, if you're a skeptic at this point... This film about a man reconnecting with his family on Christmas that opens with him carrying a gift while sleigh bells are ringing and being wished a Merry Christmas Mm -hmm. on the way to see his estranged wife, whose name is literally Holly. If you've heard all of that and this still hasn't mattered to you, then the conversation isn't going to land because this is a conversation about... What a Christmas movie is. It can't Mm. be about what particular aspects of the movie connect to Christmas because a minute is literally not enough time for me to go through all the ways Christmas is integral to the story, the soundtrack, the style, how Al Powell, we meet him while he's getting gifts for his wife, while Well, Let It Snow plays in a a convenience store. This is about adherence to dogmatic rules of what Christmas movies can be. And if you want those rules, then Rudolph
7: might not be a reindeer. Counterpoint. Uh, (laughs) Next.
2: Released in July 1988. Let's start right there. Summertime. Um, And the fact that the mechanics of the film, to get everything in place, it needed a, a time and place. It needed Christmas to get the people together to make the movie work. But, you know, people tell their friends and strangers on social media that Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Because they think it says something about themselves. It makes them edgy and dangerous and irreverent. Even, you know, a little bit subversive. Oh, you like It's a Wonderful Life? Not me. Oh, what an iconoclast. Deep down, everyone just wants to be a little bit different. Special. I'm not here to win any popularity contests. I wasn't the team who picked up smoking in high school to look cool I didn't have a girlfriend during that time in my life that's just glory boy behavior so yes there's a psychological and sociological conversation to be had here but most importantly there's a practical one and it boils down to a simple reality if a guy gets his head blown off at any point you are not watching a Christmas movie in excess of six heads are blown off that and is die one hard minute. I Dr. rest Claibon, my case
7: you may respond
2: mm-hmm. again uh, counterpoint that's it
7: Oh, you guys don't, wow, go back and forth. Well, okay, closing argument. No, I thought that's you right. were get you don't that's get thirty that's seconds that's each it. or
2: something. That's to respond? so you okay. just
7: end you get to bat, clean up
2: and then that's it. No, he had the point. I had the counterpoint. That's it. <laughs> okay, that's mm. how it works. It's very fast. What are what are the thoughts from the rest of the group? You know, um, I was with I you, anything. Dan. I am not. Like, I was with uh, you, President. I accept. However, this plays out.
3: Well, so first of all, um it's bad for Patrick because I can't even remember watching the movie. So this is not this is not great for Bond, but Dan, I was with you until you said that it's not a Christmas movie if somebody gets their head blown off, but Scrooged is one of my favorite Christmas movies, and mm. part, one of the most iconic scenes, I would argue, in Scrooged is when they're coming up with the new promo for the network, and there are freeway killings, and acid rain, and uh, you're supposed to be terrified to miss Christmas, and to me, that kind of, uh, that there's people that are getting their heads blown blown off in that promo so i can't stand with you
2: on that do you actually see it
3: i think you might maybe not not you do see a plane crash you see a fiery plane crash and burn Mm. so
4: i I, it's a very compelling um (laughs) both of you made compelling points i would i would say that i did a little bit of study here and um there are 19 christmas trees in diehard uh christmas decorations show up 15 times um, carols, Christmas carols sung by Bruce Willis and others 12 times The word Christmas is said 14 times And there are four other more vague Christmas references Every one of those categories um, Except for one Beat out Home Alone uh, And Dan I think that you made a very strong point About maybe a certain type of scene Pulling people out of the Christmas mood um, But that's that's an opinion um, I, I kind of agree with you uh, But, I, but I, it's just simply an opinion um, it is a Christmas movie in so many different ways, and it's so on the nose, and they make such an effort to tell you that it's a Christmas movie that um, I don't understand the strident opposition to what <laughs> to what the filmmakers were attempting to do uh, before our eyes.
1: Mm.
2: Greg,
5: I mean, I I've se- I saw this movie at least ten to fifteen times, but I have not seen it since I think I was fifteen or sixteen years old. So I want to go revisit it. Um, Now's you've the got, time to do it. Yeah, you've gotten me excited for that. I remember seeing Die Hard with a Vengeance, number three, with my dad in the theater. Great I think film. I, I think I was in high school. It was pretty good. I like Die Hard 3. Um, the, the only just like sort of debate style note I would make is Dan went off talking about the actual movie, you know, and was kind of talking about the reaction to the reaction to the movie, which felt sort of mm-hmm. like off, okay. off the actual, you know... You know, having the strong argument of just die hard, and and Patrick stuck to that nicely.
2: Okay, I, so I see where this is
6: going. Bunch of bull well, is what it is. My um uh, my my dog is incensed at you, Dan. Um, she feels like uh you know I don't want to break the rules of of you know point counterpoint, so I'm afraid to say something because we might violate the science. Ahead, you're you're okay now. Now it's open. It's open. Um, yeah, it's it, it's weird to to go to this like like Greg mentioned the meta discussion of the movie and which is kind of like my overall point like why are we dictating to other people like how they should feel about this movie <laughs> and how they how it relates to a holiday that they may you know some people eat mac and cheese on the beach on christmas like some people don't talk to anybody on christmas like christmas can be a personal holiday it can be something it's a shared experience that we all have and one thing that a lot of people share is watching this movie that has so many Christmas themes. People insist on saying GIF instead of JIF because the creator says that's how you're supposed to say it. The people who make Die Hard were like, yeah, this is a Christmas movie. Look at all the things that we left in here. Uh, but for some reason, there's this uh, you mm-hmm. know, strident opposition, which I, I don't know. I, I don't tell people how to feel about
2: art. The director <laughs> Ooh, is...
3: strong point. <laughs>
2: Well, he just did. He said that it's a, a Christmas movie. <laughs> to me. He's telling me how to feel about the art. No, you don't have to. You, it, it doesn't have to be a Christmas movie. You don't movie. have how to Let's him. give the final word to John McTiernan, uh, the director, okay? Because <laughs> he has said that the film is somewhat inspired by It's a Wonderful Life, which is interesting to me. Uh, his quote, we hadn't intended Die Hard to be a Christmas movie, but the joy that came from it is what turned it into a Christmas movie. And that's really the best I can tell you about
4: it. Hmm. I mean, you kind of blew up your own side of the argument there, but um, he's fair. No, it's an interesting I don't,
5: strategy. I don't think so. Dan is Dan is so. a
6: fair man. He said, we we're all he said sitting that, here in Christmas sweaters,
5: you blew it up like one of those heads. You know, it's an adult. Yeah, it's for adults. It's for the
2: adults. Maybe young, young. Kids. I can't see the head of the the Japanese company, his head exploding. But that's just me. That, that, that's it. Unless now let's I'm keep going to side
3: with. Claybon, just to go against Dan.
2: That's, <laughs> That's it. So. That's fine. I, I I can deal with that. I can take that. The the special guests in this Christmas special keep coming, and uh, it's one of our very favorites. Let's welcome him, welcome him in right now, and uh, you know, a former member of the NFL media team who's gone on to great things uh, <laughs> over at Sports Illustrated yes! and Monday Morning Quarterback. Yes, it is none other than the great <laughs> Connor Orr. Welcome to the Around the NFL Christmas special, buddy. Love it. Hey, Yo, Woo! Yeah, yeah Woo! we're on a six box right now. This is like amazing. Yeah,
6: Looks good, too.
2: Connor, fun. first of all, how the hell are you, buddy? You are a domesticated man, married with children. You have your own house, a mortgage, and I'm sure a Christmas tree that's real, not fake. Uh, tell, take us through it all. Fake Christmas tree, man.
8: uh I'm <laughs> I, I'm going fake Christmas tree until I cannot uh worry about the kids swallowing the needles, which they seem to want to do. You know, um, but it's great. We have uh, hey, you
2: guys worry about your kids eating the needles of the Christmas tree.
5: Mine did, and then I I, I took it away. Yeah, I think. remember Wait, ate it. The first animals. Time.
8: Also, spiders. Spiders are in Christmas trees. Ah, uh, yeah. So. Now in the sea.
5: Pine is also a
3: huge fire hazard now. I don't want to get food. into
2: another debate here. This is this has been <laughs> wild. But I did. Uh, we spent a hefty amount of, on a living tree, uh, and it died almost immediately. And it is a death trap. It's a fire death trap in our living room right now. Yep. Um, Connor, buddy, I needed you on the show today. Needed you on this wall. Because although the holiday season is filled with joy, there's also a lot of reasons to be stressed out about it and there to be anxiety. And even even the Christmas season, uh, sometimes things grind the gears of Connor Orr. And that's why we're bringing it back. Or are you kidding me? The holiday edition. <laughs> what do you got for us, Connor? Yes.
8: I'm gonna I'm gonna maybe ruin this a little bit, um, but I, I remember uh, Claybon a couple minutes ago talking about meta discussions, and I think what grinds my gears is in preparation for going uh, onto this show. I went back and I listened to some old "Are You Kidding Me's," and everything that I said I hated. I would love to have right now during the pandemic, like every single thing. Like I think I was like, hockey is stupid. I would love like live hockey to go see. I I hate hockey. I think I said the Foo Fighters were stupid. Like, you know how much I would pay to go to a Foo Fighters concert right now? Seinfeld I said was stupid. And even, you know, I haven't watched it because it is the worst show ever made, but some people need that to get through the pandemic. And so, I think uh, or are you kidding me is basically or are you kidding myself in, uh, you know, how uh, how haughty
2: I've been over the over the years, Dan. So I, I guess what you're saying is COVID-19 has uh, you know, led to a lot of self introspection um, for all of us. And for you, it's maybe there is a cynical aspect of your personality that you're seeing melt away, especially during this special time of year.
8: Dude, I've watched, and I'm, this is not an exaggeration. I've seen every single Hallmark movie, um, all the new ones, uh, like oh, basically no. everyone since 20, 2016, And I feel like the person who used to come on and do "Are you kidding me?" has been like beaten with a shovel and buried uh, somewhere, <laughs> and he's never coming back. Like my life right now is a made up town where happy people just walk around and like, you can live off making cookies and, you know, doing, you know, (laughs) doing really like wholesome things. And so, uh, but that's also like a little bit of delirium because you're doing like 3am bottle feedings. And that's the only thing that's on, but um, I will say like, you know, it's, it's really helped me kind of zone into to a new person, which I'm mm. pretty psyched about, you know. Your
6: wow. life is a Christmas
4: movie. This is I crazy. love it. go wrong? <laughs> Not sure what to think about this. Uh, still <laughs> processing this. What could go wrong?
2: Well, did you see? Speaking of Hallmark movies, I don't know if this is a Hallmark one, but my wife and I, Connor, had decided to watch a, a really bad straight-to-video type Christmas movie uh, last weekend, and we watched the uh, 2000 12, Drew Lachey film, Guess Who's Coming to Christmas, Ooh, where Drew, sure. the former member of 98 Degrees, but not the hot one that married Justin Not Simpson, Nick. Not <laughs> Nick. Um, he is a rock star living a uh, out-of-control lifestyle uh, until one day his agent sets him up to stay with a family for Christmas as a image rehab mm. um, maneuver. And guess what? He ends up falling in love with the girl next door. There you go. A uh, little go. bit of a spoiler alert there, Last but story. please... Check it out. Guess who's coming to Christmas. If you haven't seen it, Drew Lachey, some of his best work, I think. I think
6: <laughs> <laughs> it's the best
2: be- of his only work. <laughs> <laughs> the most unbelievable thing
8: is like, I would love to be in the writer's room for one of these, because literally on the same night, we watched two of them in a six hour period. And one was a country music star, like a, like just a hot dude goes back to his hometown and falls in love with the girl and helps her save her family's, pie making oh, yeah. business
7: christmas in the rockies or right yep. <laughs> and, and then
8: <laughs> and then right after that a hot country singer dude goes back to a hometown to help a girl save her family's jam business and like it was the <laughs> same movie they just switched the food that he's helping <laughs> bail out at the factory and i was like I can't write the same story four times for Sports Illustrated, kids, but apparently like these him people him. are just like, yeah, just make it pie instead of jam. It's totally fine. You
0: know? It's golden, baby. <laughs> I love it. Yeah.
2: Did, wait, can you bring Erica, come back in and, and Colleen too. I don't want, first of all, let me preface this by saying I'm I'm not being sexist, but usually that means Uh-oh. I'm going to say something. Right. <laughs> I, yeah, asked, you guys.
3: Up, Erica. I asked you guys.
2: I asked my wife while we were watching uh, the Drew Lachey picture, you know, what is it? Because they're I believe a lot of them are catered towards women, these Hallmark specials. No. What is it about <laughs> this plot, this <laughs> plot device that Connor talks about that is always about this guy, uh, that I guess you could say is an unattainable guy on some level, coming back home and then helping out with something and becoming a tamer version of his former self and, and essentially settling down with a, a good girl. Like, why? Do, why are all these movies... Built out that way is there something inside women like that, or is it something that men write the scripts and they think that's what women women want take us through the process is there so you're, so you're saying
3: it's like a it's a savior that comes in and you know helps out everyone and then the people that the savior is helping out, then they end up changing to their liking mm. like is that is that what it is?
4: I can't mm. imagine a woman wanting to uh, to do that to a man that doesn't feel realistic. <laughs> well, I guess
7: I'm just a basic bitch because I love the knight in shining armor. You like the formula. Home. Yeah, I like he com- – I want to be ro- romanticized. I'm, wa- I'm romantic. I want to be curled up on the fire. The country music star comes home, and all of a sudden he is a good person. He's not a jerk. You know, he falls Guys in love. Guys don't change, Erica. I know. I know. And I'm just – I'm wishing maybe one day they mm. will.
6: Well, most of the male versions of the story are just gender bent versions of the female version where the she leaves the small town, she goes to the big city, she's focused on her career. And then some circumstance happens where she has to go home, she sees the guy from high school who used to be a jerk, and then they work together on something, they fall in love. The old guy from New York comes back and then she's like, no, I love this life. And then you know, mm. credits, it, it works. It works both ways. I, I also I,
3: think I know there know must be a Hallmark movie. There must Ugh. be
4: someone in the plot and it's typically the woman, um, you know, or man, if it's re- mm. reverse uh, person in the hometown that has to relate to 98% of viewers, which is, I've done nothing remarkable with my life. So I like to think that some famous person will come and move in with me or next door and be wowed by oh. simply my personality. It's a mm. fantasy. It's every romance novel that you'd find at the grocery store. I, I want to, that, that's an amazing. Point. Uh, I want to go back to what Colleen
5: said though, cause I could be wrong, but was she, was she sort of hinting at connecting these Hallmark movies Um you know, with the original Christmas story, our, our, our man JC, and re- like connecting it to basically organized religion uh, in general, mm. was that reading to oh, a savior? You could, okay. Yeah, you
3: could connect those dots. The savior well, comes in, and because and everybody everybody
5: better, be. everyone's better afterwards. Yeah, many of the and films have, everybody
3: loves that guy.
5: Many of
2: the yeah, films nothing not bad about.
6: happens at all in that story. <laughs> <laughs> right,
2: right. <laughs> there's some overt religious themes in a lot of these films as well. Just like in the Drew Lachey picture, guess who's coming home for Christmas? Uh, he he definitely gets more involved with the church, and um, and I think there are those elements of these stories as well. Connor, um, anything else that you want to add? I, I like this. This is like a well, uh, it's a wonderful life situation where you you started out one way, and now you're you're a different person who kind of uh, understands all the great things he has. To your
8: point, like uh, the theme this year has been like there's been three movies where. Uh, a, a Catholic person and a Jewish person get together and they teach each other their holiday traditions, and the other person pretends like they've landed on a different planet and have never heard of like Hanukkah. It's like oh. you light a candle? Nego? What? <laughs> and uh it's just been like an incredible like the guy from Ben Savage for Boy Meets World was in one of them. Like uh mm. and I would say that uh, it's just been great, and if you can find joy in that, or any of the other million weird hobbies that I've picked up during the pandemic, like uh, you know, colored pencils and uh, like coloring, I color a lot now. Um, really? You know, yeah. Like, you have anything yeah.
3: that you've colored nearby?
8: Like, uh, like uh, I buy coloring books, like extremely right. intense. Show
3: us a page. Yeah, Are can we colored? see an
8: example? They're upstairs. I know. But, the yeah. Stuff. Yes. Not a
3: visual medium, but I yeah. need
8: it. I, I will send you, you guys can post them on, on Twitter. See yeah, that? I can post. I can you know, tweet them. Uh, people would like to see. I bet I raised a family of sixty-five butterflies.
3: <laughs> I'm sorry. What happened?
0: What's it's happening, so Connor? Is everything okay?
8: <laughs> everything is totally fine. This was, uh, yeah. Uh, well, I'm feeding a squirrel in my <laughs> backyard. I can't My it. Uh, my idiot friend said, uh, what does your daughter want for a birthday? This was back in the spring. And I was like, "Oh, and, you know, just send her whatever. And, uh, you know, he sent me a classroom, a kit for two classrooms for kids to grow their own butterflies. And so just at my door one day shows up like a, like a cooler full of like 60 live caterpillars, shot glasses. Like I have to fill them all with like two milliliters of food. And then I have to like attach all these little things and make them comfortable and put them around the house where the babies don't smash them. And uh, yeah, it was like a, it was like a six week process. And like my wife and I were up at one o'clock in the morning, (laughs) putting these together before they died. And uh, yeah, we, we raised like 60 butterflies, 60 freaking butterflies.
1: Congrats, you. man! How
8: transformative. Made. Wow! Yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Were they made?
3: Were they different colors? I have a lot. They're of all like
8: the, they're your they're your pretty much the run of the mill orange. Like they're black and orange <laughs> on the back. They're your pretty like your standard Walmart butterfly.
2: But they're all beautiful uh, to you. I'm sure <laughs> they're your children after all, uh, Connor. Um, you you've knocked it out of the park and really installed Christmas spirit at an all time level right now. Yes, uh, let me thank you. Uh, for stopping by, and again, check out Connor on Twitter, and of course, over at SI and Monday Morning Quarterback, he's he's the man, and we love him. Happy holidays, everybody! Where
7: are the butterflies now? I need they, to know. They're
2: just in, dead. They're they're
4: in the. <laughs> they
2: have like a two week lifespan. It's over.
4: <laughs> they're they're in the wild. Let
7: them free. Let just let you, them out the front door.
4: You we, unleash them in like mid December, isn't that like when they're typically not? <laughs> no, no, where do you live? Again in, we we let, them let them go in uh, in October. Yeah, we let them okay.
8: go in October, but yeah, right wow. into right
4: into the heart of winter. Have a nice time. <laughs> yeah. If <you> want, sorry.
8: <laughs> yeah, uh, well, you know, they, we raised them to be strong individuals, and so I think that was important for us too. Unbelievable,
2: Connor Orr, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Connor. I love right. him. Well, I mean, what an appearance by Connor! Would you expect anything less? Never. Um, All right, before we go, first of all, a little housekeeping. On Sunday, um, I, you know, a little bit of joy, I must say, um, played some Scott Zolak greatest hits after the Patriots were eliminated from the playoffs. We expressed a level of, um, we were a little mystified about some of the things. He said something about a a jelly, especially. We didn't understand it. Right, the and month, then of yeah. course the listeners came in and helped us out. That is a reference from uh, the 1989 Chevy Chase picture, uh, Christmas Vacation, and <laughs> Colleen's wearing the sweater. What? Is, why is the carpet wet, Todd?
3: I don't know, Margo.
2: So here is just so everyone knows, this is what the re- this is Zolak, and then where the reference comes from. It's the gift that keeps on giving. He's the Jelly of the Month Club. It's
0: a one-year membership in the Jelly of the Month Club. <laughs> that's the gift that
2: keeps on giving Don't the whole year All right there you go that's and right. um, I have one I have one more uh, a gift for everyone uh, but before we do that um, anybody have final thoughts before we sign off and a reminder we have our preview episode where we go through week 16 that will go up a day early uh, tomorrow uh, so you'll hear us again before Christmas but any final thoughts before hmm. uh, you know the holidays uh, and we sign off today
3: I'd like my boss, Frank Shirley, right here tonight. Brought from his happy holiday slumber over there on Melody Lane with a big uh. ribbon on his head. That's what I
2: would like. Well played, well played. Greg, how about you, buddy? Ooh, I don't know. All right. Cool. Mark?
4: Um, I would just say that it has been kind of a crazy year, obviously, but um, we've probably logged – 400 hours together on i'm just of me staring at you on this computer screen i'm looking at and it's it's um i won't think i think i'll remember this year more than any other year of our show it's been a very odd one um and good too so thank you for uh sticking along with it that sound a little too sincere no that was was well said well said
2: And, and doing it without wes has been so tough but when he's been able to chip in uh that has made it uh, those shows extra special. It's been a, a challenging year, but we've been able to do it together. How about you, Patrick Claybon?
6: Yeah, I was going to double down on the sincerity because, I mean, we go back uh, if not for you guys, if not for Dave Damashek, like I probably never would have been on a podcast. And, and I look at uh, obviously it took entire, an entire social revolution for me to get a whole lot of opportunity in 2020, but that would have <laughs> never been possible uh, without you guys. And like for so for like you, Dan, and you Mark, and Wes, and you Greg, like the things that you do, uh, not just for us, but for everybody, because 2020 has been hell for so many people. And uh, to be able to hear you guys uh, talk about football, to, to, to facilitate uh, this discussion about football and life uh, all the time, you guys are crushing it, and you've always crushed it, and I appreciate you. Thanks, you know, right,
5: I got
2: you. Thank, Thank you. Incredible. You're the man. Greg, last
5: chance. I, it's partly because my kids are melting down right now and I need to be <laughs> watching them. We're hey, past what's our, more 2020 than our time I
2: understand. Um, All right. So uh, I sign off this way. Uh, I want to start a little tradition. Maybe it's a tradition. Maybe it's not. Uh, But uh, I don't know if you're aware of. Well, you know, Rodrigo Blankenship, the Colts kicker. He's having a tremendous year. Mm -hmm. Hot Rod has been killing it. Uh, He deserves to go to the Pro Bowl. Hell, maybe even all pro. 29 to 32 field goals. 38 to 40 extra points. Hit another bomb this past week. Uh, What you may or may not know is that uh, Rodrigo Blankenship um, has for years maintained a personal blog That he writes in uh, in the third person And uh, if you comb your way through that blog You will find his senior year of high school uh, Where he has some comments about uh, his time on the soccer team uh, And how it didn't always go to plan So I call this, um, and again, we'll sign off with this and happy holidays, uh, whatever you celebrate to everyone that listens, Uh, but I call this a hot rod Christmas carol. Headline, Rodrigo's senior season ends on familiar note. No playoffs, yet near perfect contributions from Legatron. Here we go. Rodrigo's senior season for Sprayberry came to a normal conclusion for the struggling program as the Yellow Jackets gained no playoff berth and had a final record of 5-11-1, including a pair of meaningless victories over fellow have-nots River Ridge and North Atlanta after being knocked out of playoff consideration by 5-0 Sequoia. However, the 6-1 190 190-pounder was a veritable automaton, regardless of the positions he was assigned to play. Even though his teammates seemed to struggle, Rodrigo's standards of excellence were never compromised. He finished the season averaging well under one error per game. His touch efficiency remained near perfect at 99.8%, and his pass completion percentage rose steadily, ending at more than 93% after completing more than 98% of his passes over the final three games. Removed from the central midfield spot he had occupied for the previous two varsity seasons, Rodriguez became an immovable object at right back while his teammates appeared to struggle in the midfield. For the season, Rodrigo was dispossessed only once for a grand total of 2 for the entire 3 seasons of varsity contribution competition. For Legatron, a nickname coined for him by a Georgia Bulldog football fan excited about the upcoming fall season in Athens, a long season of frustration ended ironically on the bench. He was headbutted by a North Atlanta player while clearing a ball out of the penalty area sending him to the sidelines for the last 6 minutes of his career diagnosed with a mild concussion. Hmm. What? Wow. Merry Wait Christmas everybody.
0: All right.